the BEM rant. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, October 30th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it's four days until a presidential election. But don't worry, the corruption will never get voted out of office. And from America's left coast, where after 243 days of sheer collective terror, Halloween has been deemed unnecessary. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Has it really ever been necessary? Uh, it is totally necessary for going out and fucking with your neighbors. <laughs> it's probably my second favorite holiday behind April Fool's. Um, so you're a prankster on Halloween or do you just go and try to get candy? What do you do? Yes. Both. I see. So you, you, this is kind of like you're. I don't, I don't go out and collect as much candy now that I'm over 40. I was going to say, do you not get the, <laughs> the people at the like open the door and go, aren't you a bit old for this? And you're like, no, I, I was I was that kid who would uh, go back multiple times to the same house until they got wise to it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they got wise. Well, at least were you changing outfits or anything like that? Or you were just kind of doing one or oh, was that important? I mean, it depends how hard you want to. I mean, were you even in costume or were you just like in a bathrobe? I, I, I mean, bathrobe with cat on me. I've got a lot of practice. Yes. And, and to blitz our buddy in the troll room at noagendastream.com. Yes. Boost the toot, retweet the tweet. This is a live grumpy old bands as they always are when we do these things on Fridays, usually on Mondays, but we're probably going to be off on Monday. My mom's cancer surgery is going on. So, uh, I mean, there's just too many moving parts. I mean, maybe we'll have a surprise and it'll be at a time where we can get that in. But I mean, it's much easier just to let you know, probably not. We'll be back though next Friday, which will be after. Will we know? The results of the presidential election next Friday? Oh, I think we already know. Well, it's interesting. Well, what we won't know is is what form the corruption takes and what kind of bullshit will be pulled. But I think we know the ultimate result. Yeah, well, I think we do. And I'm more and more as I'm seeing these polls come out from everybody. But uh, there's a place called Trafalgar and the. Uh, the Rasmussen polls, those have been pretty accurate in the past, and they are currently showing a fairly tight race. Uh, it's interesting, actually, when it comes to Rasmussen, they do a daily poll, I think, of 1,500 voters or likely voters, different people all the time, but 1,500 likely voters. And it's been ping ponging one day. Trump's ahead by a, like a point. The next day, Biden's ahead by a point. The next day, Trump's ahead by a point. So it's showing a very close election. So when all of the other polls, in other words, a poll of shit. Well, all the other ones, I think, are the ones that are full of shit that are like Biden's going to win by seven. Biden's going to win by 12. And those are coming from very liberal sources. And I'm like, why would they do this? And here's just my guess. The the news media knows that if the average person is getting polling numbers right now, like the ones coming out of Rasmussen, they're thinking to themselves, this could go either way. This is really going to be a close election, which is probably the truth. Yeah, that's why it's it's not useful as a poll because it doesn't tell you where it is. 
it's useful as a propaganda tool because you can use you can report poll numbers like, oh, it's neck and neck. Every single vote counts as yet another way to get out the vote or get people from, you know, depending on if you're like, well, Trump is now one percent ahead and that'll get more Biden voters out there that as a propaganda mechanism, it's useful as a poll. I think it's totally fucking wrong. But well, I think the bigger propaganda are the liberal polls that are showing Biden up seven, 10, 12 points because the people that are hearing those, if it comes down to a, the election time and Trump wins, the rioting in the street begins again because, oh, this has to be a thought. This has to be fixed. There's no way oh. he won. The polls said he was down by 12. Oh, yeah. They're definitely trying to set expectations for that. I, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter what happens. The the at this point, the the lefties have been primed by the the entire year in review to go out on the street and start rioting for no reason whatsoever. And they know exactly where they can do that. It's all the places that have Democrat mayors who are like, "Oh yes, these protests are totally peaceful. The flames coming off are totally peaceful." There, there should be a guidebook, but that is kind of the guidebook, I guess, where you want to go riot and looting. Just check. Is the mayor of the city Democratic? Then it's a pretty good chance. Now, if the governor is also Democratic in that particular yeah, state, that's a bonus. Yeah, yes, that's bonus time. That means take twice as much when you loot and to do whatever you want. So it's going to be interesting to see how this so all am, shakes down. I, I am getting a little bit sick of those screenshots I keep seeing posted constantly from the 270 to win website of, of, you know, the maps of the entire country um, that were, you know, colored various red, blue, purple, whatever. Um, But the one that I feel like was probably the closest was one that was like the entire country was all red, except Washington, Oregon, California, Illinois, New York, and DC were the only places that had gone blue. I'm like, yeah, that, that's probably the most accurate I've seen. It probably is. And that's, again, where all of this resist crap came from is, again, a propaganda machine, because a lot of people, I think, believe that, you know, Trump didn't have the votes to win the last time, you know, and this is where the insanity comes in. It's well, been four years didn't in California. Well, well, certainly. I mean, California, you got people pooping on the street. It's a beautiful place, but. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. I mean, but the, by it, the it, next time we get, we are, uh, well, at least by next Friday, it's uh, it's it's worrisome. If you, if you honestly believe or if you honestly don't understand why we have the Electoral College and don't just go through the full popular vote in this country, you're probably the reason why you saw a Lisa Simpson meme. Yeah. <laughs> I see a lot of fucking memes and then I fucking steal them for the show for a guy. Thank you for not revealing all my sources for a guy. That's not on social media. You see a lot of memes. Yeah. It's hard not to. I see fucking memes printed on my cat. Well, then your Uh, wife is doing some weird stuff (laughs) or the other cat. I don't know. Well, that's true. That's true. Can you explain to me why I need a $250 microphone with apparently a very inferior USB connection? (laughs) CSB. Does not like anything but USB-C. USB-C only. You got to use C. The micro bad. I don't. I don't get it. Um, I've I've seen a couple other people that kind of you know bitched about that a little bit. We're talking about a brand new 
Sure microphone that came out. S-H-U-R-E. Sure MV7 is the one you sent me. It is. And it is kind of being touted as the less expensive little brother of the microphone that I use, which is the Shure SM7B, which is a fully dynamic, you know, no USB, just an XLR mic. And uh, this version that just came out and everybody that had a video out immediately on it, there's no question got the unit for free in order to review it. I'm sure Shure works different deals with different people because uh, it was dropped that day. I mean, it was just released. So it's not like, oh, there's a new microphone. It's announced. Then people would, you know, there was no time for them to order it, get it, and then produce these videos. So there's no question Shure sent these out. Yeah. Which they do with reviewers. That's what companies do. Yeah. And I've reviewed. The the only question is whether or not that practice affects the review or affects the trustworthiness of it. Now, according to CSB, it did, but obviously he's never listened to any of my shows because I've yelled about this a few times being somebody that well, is anybody who has listened to your shows knows that you're not neutral. Well, no, I'm not neutral. But when I have uh, reviewed hundreds, if not over a thousand products that I had gotten for free back before Amazon changed their rulings. And then there's been a few since that I've just done on my YouTube channel done some uh, really nice speakers from Klipsch and some headphones from Klipsch and the company, as long as you say, Hey, I got these in order to review them. Everything's cool. Now there are some people like comic strip blogger, and I understand where they're coming from that think somebody doing a review that received the product for free is always going to give it a good review. And I think that is very misguided thinking because I think it goes the exact opposite way. I don't care what I got the product for. When I'm going to review something, I'm going to tell you whether it's good or whether it sucks. The price doesn't matter to me. The whole emotional attachment that now, if I had just spent 300 bucks on the microphone and it totally sucked, maybe I'd be upset, but then you can just return it. I mean, it's really rare to not be able to return something, but I think. And I pointed him to a guy that does some really good reviews. His name is Bandrew. <laughs> He's a no agenda <laughs> listener. And uh, it's what podcast adage. Uh, he has a bunch of videos on YouTube and he has reviewed some very expensive mics. Some mics that even I wouldn't consider buying because they were that expensive. And he reviewed this and he's like, oh, you he got it for free. And but go look at go look at his other hundreds of videos. He's an honest guy. He does good videos. He breaks them down in a way that most reviewers don't. Uh, but CSP just thinks that the minute somebody gets something for free, you can't take their review seriously. And I don't believe that. I'm intrigued by this new Shure microphone because one, it's a dynamic microphone that has both USB and XLR. So for podcasters out there. This is a major plus. If you just want to start out with an USB microphone, but you can also plug it in via XLR, definitely a plus. I'm intrigued by the fact that you can plug it in from what I've read and heard from people who have experienced this microphone. You can plug it in directly to Android phones or Apple phones and record direct without any other interfaces or anything else, which is for a podcaster on the go. 
pretty freaking amazing because things like clean feed, we know you can do in the mobile browser on Android. So, I mean, this could be a great way, you know, if you're on the go, you just pop one microphone in the bag and you're absolutely done. But sure makes good stuff. Now, until I try this thing out myself, I can't really tell you one way or the other, the quality of it, but they overall don't make junk. And uh, from what I heard on the review videos, it seems like a pretty nice microphone. Come on, podcasters, up your game. Don't you want to up your game, Ryan? Come on. I don't know. This is the part where normally I'd be just returning from the bathroom. That was uh, that was quite the segment. Well, you asked. You asked the question. I did. And I, I did. Answered and it. I appreciate I, I appreciate the answer. I um, could go into I, politics. I will. At the risk of defending CSB, which you know is something I hate to do, <laughs> yeah, uh, never. That's that's rare. Uh, the okay. First of all, micro USB is objectively inferior to USB C, and I'm not sure why that decision was made. I I'm not quite ready to throw out entire lines of technology just because they use the wrong connector. Right. CSB but, said he did. I'm like, well, just send it to me. But obviously, I, the. the <laughs> yeah <laughs> the shipping gets it gets expensive uh, and it, it is not unreasonable to at least acknowledge uh if you received a review unit for free and there is the expectation that you can keep it that there is a strong incentive to uh give it a good review now you're you're calling out that not all reviewers are going to you're right some reviewers are going to try to be honest anyway. And if you can find one of those, then trust those reviews. But it, a random person online, I, if, if somebody was it like, here, have a $250 microphone for free, just keep it when you're done. And by the way, can you review it? Oh, well, it, now you pretty much set up. Okay. Right. Person's happy about, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's what happened here, but no, it happens. No, that happens I, all I the time to, because I, I do just get those to, offers I have to daily. Shit on your glowing review. I do get those. Well, I have I don't have a glowing review because I haven't tried it, but I have still get offers daily from companies, mainly in China, that want to send me products. And now, since Amazon doesn't allow the way it used to be done, now it all has to be undercover. So it's a different system now where they're like, oh, you just go buy it and then we will refund you via PayPal after you leave the review, which is buying the better review. There's no question. (laughs) Now, the way it used to be done is that the new Amazon policy that you can only review microphones you were sent for free if it's under under covers now under the table. Well, then you're not sent for free. You have to buy it yourself and then the company refunds the money. And there's no way, obviously, for Amazon to track that. Now, in the good old days, when Amazon allowed the reviews to be done, then Amazon could see because these companies that I did reviews for would send me a unique coupon code. So let's say we're talking about this microphone. They would send me a unique coupon code that I would buy this sure microphone. It was either for free. Sometimes it was for one penny, just so a transaction Uh. was made. But then Amazon knew that this was a product that went to me for a reduced cost. Now, since they're just refunding your money in PayPal, avoiding anything, Amazon, there's no way Amazon can know. I mean, they could try to track reviews and wonder why somebody's you know, has you know reviewed 20 different sets of headphones, but there's no way they can track this anymore, which is actually more of a detriment to, I think, getting honest reviews. But but fortunately, you no longer have that incentive. You, you are no Correct. longer going to be tempted to get some company to send you money by a PayPal anymore. No, not PayPal. <laughs> PayPal sucks, man. 
PayPal sucks. And I've asked a bunch of people about the, you know, what other people are using because I don't want to make a change and then make another change. But this morning I went to look at our PayPal account because I want to know, you know, if we have any new donations coming in before the show. And And 10 minutes later, when the CAPTCHA finally let you in, it was at least 10 tries on the CAPTCHA. Of course it is. (laughs) And it is infuriating because there's no way around that. The audio one's just as bad. And I have really good hearing. But I, as I think we mentioned uh, on the last show, the audio is like, yeah, you did it. And it's like, what? yeah, the audio is all muddy and garbled <laughs> because if it's clear, the AI already figured it out. Right. And that is the issue. But so, you know, I bitched that I called out the nice people at PayPal on Twitter and got their usual canned response, which was, oh, we'd be happy to help. Just you know, send us a message through your account, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, OK, let's just see what happens with this. So I sent them a message in the account, you know, in my PayPal account. And I'm like, look, the this security challenge stuff is making it impossible to use your product. I mean, I have crappy eyes. I can't get in even with the the infuriating thing is adding two factor authentication to this still didn't remove the captcha. I was going to say adding two factor authentication should remove the captcha because it eliminates exactly the security problem that the captcha is designed to solve. Yes, you would think so. And it's interesting because the captcha comes up after you put the username in. So then they know that you have two factor authentication, but no, it still comes up. So my guess is that Google is paying them to generate X amount of captchas. And we know that's a thing. That is a thing. So this is infuriating at that point. But so I sent them the message and I'm like, look, I this I'm having a real problem getting into my account and this is going to make me cancel my account and these these companies can somebody explain to me why these asshat companies send a response like this here's the response i got from paypal greetings darren exclamation point thank you for contacting paypal messaging my name is jacob and i will be happy to help i do apologize that our security has become an inconvenience but we don't have the ability to remove them thank you for contacting us and being a valued customer i'm like what why do you start um, with we'll so, be happy to help and the next fucking sentence is we can't help. Well, there's an, a simple explanation. That's not English. That is <laughs> PR speak. And the translation to English is fuck you, Darren. Yeah, that is. And that's exactly why I took it. So I responded in kind. And that's, uh, you know, I, I just sent uh, your wife, your half of what was uh, that had come in recently. And we're getting ready to just uh, empty this account out and close it and go to something else i mean people have suggested like zell there is uh, one i, I was kind of disappointed that leonidas didn't answer me on twitter i'm like how, how is donor box how does that work do you like it no answer because donor box looks interesting in the fact that people can still pay via paypal if they want to they can pay by check they can pay directly by uh, debit or credit card and they can do some other kind of transfers with it and then donor box just puts that money directly into a checking account of our choice which seems to be maybe the best overall solution they do monthly things they could even do quarterly things so it's an interesting concept and it seems like a legit company and i know he's a very conservative guy and he's you know pissing off a lot of people in the woke community so and he hasn't been deplatformed yet 
So that may that, be that's where probably we go. My, that's probably my number one criteria in for trying to come up with a payment system these days is do they censor people on woke grounds? Do they do they try to shut off your flow of money if if you don't bow to the right religion? Yes, because at is- this point, I mean, Patreon does it. Uh, MasterCard does it. Uh, New Project 2 got shut down. Love to go to them. Uh, yeah. PayPal does it for sure. Yeah. So it's it's hard. It really is hard. And I appreciate everybody, all of the experts and all of the No Agenda listeners on Twitter and No Agenda Social, who, when I asked what a good or the best the thing to replace PayPal with, were like, uh, cash. And I'm like, look. I'd I'd love that you. uh, How many of our experts are going to be throwing hundred dollar bills into an envelope in the mail, though? None, because that was my point. We opened up our P.O. box in August of last year. So we've had the P.O. box now for a year and two months. You know how many people have sent cash? Zero. I I, I hope they're not sending cash. I mean, if people want to send checks, as far as I know, that still works. Yes. It it sounds like, you know. The the vast majority of our experts were connecting to us on PayPal. So now that you've shut that down, I'm sure glad that I didn't pay $250 for the microphone when you we haven't it. shut PayPal saying. down yet. We're working on a solution before shutting off the flow. I mean, we're crazy, okay. well, but we're not. I, I, I welcome I welcome any and all experts who understand uh, sending money to people or or getting money from people. If uh, if you have recommendations for somewhere we can go. That will alleviate Darren's issues with PayPal and yet also allow our experts to connect the way that we need to. I, I'd love to hear it. Yes. Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at Grumpy Old Benz or Ryan, R-Y-A-N at Grumpy Old Benz. Oh, so far, I have to say, I am digging what Progo is doing, which is he just went into his bank where you could set up payments. You know, you could pay anybody you want. He just set it up once a month. His bank sends us a check for 12 bucks and it yeah, just works. That's what that's what I always did with no agenda when when I was going for my knighthood, you know, because it, trying to go lump sum payments is, is difficult to pull the trigger. But if you just go into your bank and and set up a recurring payment to grumpy old Benz or no agenda or wherever and say, yeah, once a month, go ahead and just I, in fact, I I ended up putting in my bank in the auto bill pay system. I just said, yeah, no agenda is, is invoicing me for ten dollars a month. Please pay it. Right. Done. Just send it out now. Are you? What are you? A baronet? Uh, I am a baron. No, uh, I'm a baron. Um, Ooh. I will be a count shortly. No, you'll be an earl after baron. What is count? Uh, same as earl. Is it? Yeah, it's just a much cooler title. Yeah, because it's like Count Dracula. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> Count Dracula. Uh, count I did want to say one more thing on the PayPal story, just because we haven't had a really good Bemrose rant yet, uh, or. And that is, um, I understand with a BEM rant. Okay, I, I understand, and I've definitely heard from a number of, of webmasters, IT people, uh, web designers, developers. Um, there are a lot of legitimate traffic-based reasons for wanting to put a captcha on, or feeling like you can't handle bot traffic, and therefore need to put a captcha on. But I am here to say there are a number of solutions to this. And if you settle on Google reCAPTCHA for access to your website, you are a fucking asshole. That's all. I just, a, a reCAPTCHA should be for everybody a reason 
to abandon a website and burn that motherfucker to the ground. It absolutely <laughs> destroys the usability of logging in to anything. And everybody on the internet knows it. It is the worst possible login experience. And all these web developers are like, but we got bought. And apparently you don't have the ability to just filter something out or I, I don't know, or, or go find one of 1200 open source recaptures or captures that do the same thing, but without being Google and being that fucking infuriating. If you use Google recaptcha, fuck you. You are an asshole webmaster. I'm Darren O'Neill. And I support that message. There's no question about it. It, 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 especially when you add two-factor authentication. I mean, I have one of the YubiKeys, so it doesn't matter. Two-factor authentication. No, we're still going to. The hilarity of this was I set up the two-factor authentication to text me on PayPal. And I'm like, okay, this should get rid of it. And then it didn't. But here's the funny thing. When you log in the first time with the two-factor authentication, you know, it's got the little thing, you know, to set a cookie to remember this. So it'll remember my two-factor authentication in the browser. Oh, nice. But it, but it keeps giving me the fucking recapture. Like, um, what? <laughs> so as long as I'm pointing out, uh, Google knows a lot about you. In fact, they probably know more about you than you do. Are you certain that you're not a bot? I'm not sure. I, I'll have to check again. because. Because the reason they're displaying this every single time to you might be that Google believes that you're a robot. Now, anybody, if anybody in the troll room has a PayPal account, go try to log in right now on a desktop laptop and see if it gives you the security challenge with the recapture. Because for me, I thought it was just because I was coming through NordVPN and then I would applaud them for that and say, I get it. Give me the recapture when I'm coming well, in from yeah, a VPN. But, but having come in through a VPN and then try to log into the same account through any other IP and Google is going to remember this and go, well, this had some robot activity before uh, my, my understanding of how recapture works is that they only do the, the dexterity test pixel hunting, uh, try to figure out how many of these pictures contain a pedestrian and please hurry. You've got four seconds. Um, it, it, that sort of security challenge only happens if, they have any reason to believe that you're not going with the whole program. Now in Google's case, going with the whole program is uh, uh, using Chrome, uh, allowing full cookies, being logged into your browser permanently with a Google account, um, accepting every ad. And so if you ever block ads, if you don't have a Google account, if you block third party cookies for any reason, all of these are things that Google is going to interpret as a bot. So for example, Every single time I ever go to a site that uses recaptcha, I don't get the one click. I am not a robot, which is just go check your database because I've been a good little slave and given you all of my private data checkbox. Uh, I always get the, uh, you know, please click these 25 pictures 17 times. And the uh, <laughs> wouldn't um, I guess, is that a alternate for a duodenum in the troll room? That no, he just got the uh, two factor authentication. So you may be right. And if that's true, that should have been the answer from PayPal to me, which was, oh, we looked at your account because I this was a secure message from within the account. We looked at your account. We noticed you're coming in from different IPs all the time. This is sending our system off. And here's what you should do to minimize getting this. But the answer you know, was not helpful. I hate being the one to bring reasonable information, especially after such an <laughs> impressive rant against webmasters. 
Uh, but that might not be PayPal's choice because the way the way that a webmaster does this is they hand off their entire robot authentication system to Google and says and, and they they send a request to recapture and then they get back from Google uh, a token that says, OK, we've we've checked out this person, not a robot. And Google has several ways that they can do that. They can uh, just pass you automatically, which I think is what happens for most of the people, especially if you've gone through all the hoops of giving Google all your personal information and they know everything about you because then they can you know, look and go, well, this person's shopping habits over the last seven months have proven that they get this and this and it doesn't look like robot behavior. The AI does that. Or they can give you the check mark of I am not a robot and they actually scan shit like, uh, you know, once that thing pops up on your screen, they're tracking everything that happens in your system. Which means uh, the big thing they're looking for is what is the path that your mouse took to get from wherever the cursor was to the I am not a robot button. Right. And right. I, you know, and that's an indication. Yeah, and other- if, if they're really not sure, like you've ever logged in by a VPN, then they're going to give you the full Monty. Those bastards. Yeah. Jalad just said he logged in without a problem. So, I mean, maybe they're just targeting me. But again, it would be helpful information then to. Uh- to be aware of what their system is actually doing because if i yeah, have to i guess you know then i just have a separate computer that's never on a vpn that does nothing but check my paypal account you know there's a new use for a raspberry pi and and all that said um it doesn't change the fact that everything about google recaptcha is pure unadulterated evil and every single defense i've ever seen of it it is either from a webmaster oh but the bots but there's lots of captures out there that are effective you don't have to use that one google just really likes to offer it uh or from google themselves or or google apologists who say shit like well it's not that bad if you just trade all of your privacy to google and then they'll let you in that's fucking extortion that's that's rico that's uh you know the the mob you like you know that's that's a nice login you've got there shame if anything happened to it <laughs> right you never know what could happen the uh i will say i'll have another update here which was from the nvidia drivers i will say that i was surprised that contacting their support actually got a response and uh people that were trying to work through the problem over multiple emails. So I will applaud Nvidia on that. Their brand new driver just came out yesterday. Same thing. But I've tracked it down now to only being in the Brave browser and in Chrome. So that's probably more of a uh, of a Chrome issue than anything else because I it was happening on Firefox like 3 versions ago. Now Firefox even having hardware acceleration on not having a problem. What's well, weird in that case you, you oh yeah. What's weird is that when I turn hardware acceleration off in Chrome or Brave, the crashing no longer happens. So that's good. We're in a Chrome browser yeah. right now in clean feed that is working with hardware acceleration turned off. What I don't understand is Chromium, the browser you're using, with hardware acceleration on, does not crash. And that's basically Chrome. So I, I, I believe that. Uh, I, I wonder if there's a version difference or something, but either way, you might be in luck. Yes. Because Finally. Microsoft got your back. Yeah. Uh, Whoa. They, they released the, uh, October update, which 
you know, the, the April update was 2004 and the ones before were like 1910 and 1903. And, um, this one, they didn't want to call it, uh, 2010. So they called it 20 H two. And, uh, among other things, um, do you, were you paying much attention to tech news back in say 1996? Probably. Yeah. I think I was doing you, a tech you remember podcast. What the <laughs> biggest, the biggest intersection of big technology and government in existence back then was the antitrust yeah, Netscape. from the government. I know against Microsoft, right? Go, but Netscape was oh, the one yeah. that brought it up, right? Yeah, they, they started. It. And what, what Microsoft did and stop me when any of this starts to sound familiar uh, was they released the operating system and then they bundled a browser with the operating system that every time when, you know, was always set to be the default. It, it in fact forced itself to be the default browser. Uh, it could not be uninstalled. And it, every time that you, you know, got a windows update, it would check and make sure, is it the default browser? And if not, then we're going to push it to does, does any of this sound familiar? Because it's fucking happening right now. Going on all over again. Yeah. Um, so one of the biggest features in uh, 20H2 is the introduction of Microsoft Edge. Uh, now, w- we talked about in show 101 some of the reasons why you would want to use Edge, which was the hardware isolation where you can launch a new tab in a VM, in its own VM. Yes. Uh, or the data loss prevention, which is, uh, I guess, an IT feature because it's not a user good user feature. But it says uh, if you accidentally move data from one folder to another folder that is not marked with the same security it will stop you and pop up an invasive dialogue well i don't know maybe maybe users like that yeah well it seemed like where internet explorer was always the crap browser edge actually seemed fairly decent which was a surprise i well the now edge is chrome with a new with a new title bar Actually, that's not true. They're, Microsoft has done a lot of work to add new features, and it's unfair to say it's Chrome, but at its base, it's Chrome. Did you just, did you just means, immediately fact check yourself? No, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm sure somebody in the troll room is doing that for me. So, I'm, uh, <laughs> but uh, the new edge, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get out all of the things that people hate, especially if the word edge sends you into apoplectic fits and you you know, just when you hear that now, never mind that the new edge based on Chrome is very little like the old edge. It's not even the same engine. They've done a lot of changes. Uh, they might be better off if they used a different one, but if you hate the word edge and can't stand it and think that Microsoft is crap for bundling their browser, then you're going to love this. Uh, the first thing it does, of course, when you do the windows update is that it shits an icon onto your desktop and your taskbar. Well, it wants you to want you to be edging. Yes, that's you. You were waiting for that one. <laughs> it, 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 you know, I don't know. I maybe most people don't care, but that is actually a peeve of mine. I get my my area set up the way I want, and if I have decided that I don't want a desktop icon to launch Edge, then I'm really tired of Windows Update taking a dump on my on my personal user space. There, Windows Microsoft is far from the only company that does that, but. I'm curious. Uh, what does your desktop look like? Any icons at all? Mine is completely free. I have four things on my desktop, which are documents I've created in the last week. That's reasonable. Yeah. 
uh, I, I always clean that shit up. I actually have, uh, I, now, uh, <laughs> once you go past the, the public desktop space, I have junk folders all over the damn place where I'm like, okay, all the stuff that I didn't want, I'm just going to shove into a drawer and forget about. And right. I'm, I'm going to look at this later. Drive. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> Got but, a lot of those. That's why I keep buying hard drives. Yes. <laughs> you, yeah. At some point you run out of SATA ports, but, but we'll, we'll burn that bridge when we get there. I mean, you know, buy more disc controllers. Um, let's see. Uh, the new edge is not uninstallable. Uh, the word from Microsoft when confronted about that is quote, because windows supports applications that rely on the web platform, our default web browser is an essential component of our operating system and can't be uninstalled. Again, does this feel like Windows 98 to anyone else? It kind of does. But I mean, I get there's a certain amount of things that the operating system may need to access the Internet, which I never understood why Microsoft shouldn't be allowed to send a browser way back then. That was still a lot of people were up in arms about it. I didn't get it. This is their software. If they want to bundle a browser in, I didn't really care. That as I long agree. as Right. As long as you can choose a different one. Yeah. Uh, now. Microsoft could score a lot of points. You know, I, I get that the the web rendering and and the web engine needs to be in the operating system because there is, you know, there are a no for, for better or worse. There are a number of operating system features now that you know, the the most popular language programming language in the world is now JavaScript. And you you've got to have effectively if you want to run that. You've got to have some kind of engine running it and every web browser is an engine. So it makes sense. It, I understand keeping the components in the operating system and saying these are part of the OS, but Microsoft could make a lot more points if they said, okay, uh, edge is nothing more than a thin application that calls into the web browsing components in the operating system. And you can remove the thin application. If you want, people would be happy. They'd be okay with it. There is dozens of gigabytes of bloatware components in windows people are used to those it's all right but instead they go with install the microsoft edge gigantic uber application which contains all of the the web driving components and then say oh this can't be uninstalled because it's part of the operating system makes people think well i don't want edge and not realize that they'd be breaking their operating system i feel like there's a definite perception problem with how they componentize this well it is because it's just the way microsoft does business and they kind of feel like they don't have to explain anything they have kind of uh walked this other part of the new update back which was they were also installing more or less just links to the web-based uh like word processing and all of that so they weren't installing yes. a program but they oh, were i was gonna get to that but but i hadn't heard they walked it back so i'm you know what i'm I, yeah uh, however, uh, after the update, another thing that you should be prepared for if you haven't taken the update yet is uh, just, you know, just, just to make sure that you've got the the in your face obnoxiousness going. Um, there is a first run dialogue, which uh, str- it tries to set edge as the default browser. And you have to it's one of those things where you have to click cancel and then no, I'm sure. And then and then the Are text really, link really short. <laughs> in order to in order to not do it so so they can say well you don't have to set it as a default browser but the gigantic green defaulted button on the front is the please set edge to default browser because we 
It is the recommended browser and it is, quote, the best browser for Windows 10 with enhanced privacy protection. Well, it's probably better than Brave and Chrome right now. I that that's not saying a hell of a lot no. uh, as far as i'm concerned my lockdown pale moon is the best browser for windows but uh your, your requirements may vary um but it did like i said uh, it, it really sent me back to when the microsoft got sued in the 90s for uh what was called at the time browser bundling um in fact the uh, i had to go look up because the entire time i was there that would have been a massive no-no because Microsoft was stuck with something called a consent decree, which was the the same thing that resulted in the the European edition of Windows, which didn't have a default browser. Um, right. And in fact, the the European edition had the, the solution they used there was uh, when you open the operating system on first run, part of the out of box, you 7,500 dialogues that you get to see. One of them was, Hey, you need to select a browser because the operating system needs a browser. Here's a list. Just pick one. And of course, you know, it defaulted to IE sometimes until they got sued for that. But (laughs) all of, all of those legal agreements ended up expiring in 2012, which was something I hadn't realized. So now I guess it's perfectly fine to do the same thing they did before and hell, they're not going to get sued for the same thing over again this time because um, let's see what other operating systems out there are bundling a browser that you can't uninstall um, iOS, Android. <laughs> uh, I, I I was going to say Mac OS, but with a cursory web search found a couple sites that said uh, you can uninstall Safari and here's how. And it showed going through the command line. So maybe that's not really the same thing. Uh, But I will say uh, Android is probably the worst and pretty much everything that Microsoft got sued for in the 90s. Google has done and taken to a new extreme 10 times worse. And Google's not getting sued. So maybe they're fine. Yeah. Why are they treating phones differently than computers when way more people have phones? It's way more ingrained into everything. So let's see. other notable changes. There's a bunch of, of small UI changes. They've uh, apparently brought back arrow glass, but now it's called fluent design. Um, the, uh, the settings app has a few more controls that have been taken over from the control panel, but frankly, still not all of it. So you still got two different places to go for settings and controls. Um, and uh, Oh, here's the one that would have infuriated the crap out of me. If I were on windows 10, Apparently, Alt Tab now shows every Edge tab, and and I know you've talked about keeping a clean browser space, but I am one of those people who keeps forty tabs open in my browser, <laughs> and that would make Alt Tab useless. Yeah, I use the computer in way different ways than a lot of people do. There's no question about it. Um, but the interesting thing with the now that Microsoft is killing off Internet Explorer, one of the other things people were pissed off about was. I mean, they're killing off Internet Explorer because a lot of things just simply won't run. I mean, the technology is just so old. So now the fact that they've got Edge and you can't uninstall it, when you hit one of these pages, if you're still one of these people using Internet Explorer, and I hope nobody listening to us actually is using Internet Explorer, but if you are and you hit one of these pages, it automatically opens it in Edge, which is just pissing people off to no end. but yeah you know i i believe that and technologically speaking it probably is but 
I don't know. There, there are a lot of users on the internet who react to the word edge the same way that re- they react to the word Trump. Yeah. They don't like you too. They don't think he's a good guitarist. I mean, they hate edge. Yeah. Or, or, or yeah. Or the word Bono, which probably does, <laughs> belongs in the same category. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And remember when they forced you to take that album? Um, I don't because I wasn't using iTunes, but I do remember a lot of people getting upset with that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, and the thing that always got me was uh, most of these people seem to understand. Yeah, I'm getting an album for free, but it's worth less than that. They, they, well, I don't want it on my phone. Take it away. <laughs> it's like I, I, I would not even take this album if it was free. You're, you're not paying me enough to take this album. Yeah, I mean, that I, was a it was a PR a disaster. It definitely happened. It did. And uh, which album was I was I know they just came out with another 20th anniversary of the you know, all that you can't leave behind album. It's, it's funny how this stuff just kind of uh, just kind of fades into the past. You know, I I do. Now, it turns out I still remember the past, but that that does make me unusual. Well, well you're right, because, uh, you know, it's it's not the new thing being taught to our children. Don't remember the past. Delete the past. Delete the past. Well, delete the past. Um, yeah. Our, well, our children aren't even getting taught. They're, they're, they're being taught A is for activist and how to be an anti-racist, but they're not being told about anything that ever happened in the, this country. True. Anymore. True. And they're, they're certainly not being told about things that happened in other countries, like, for example, the 23 different times that communism was tried in the 20th century and failed every single time. Wait, it didn't even work once? Uh, I mean, there was Venezuela. They uh, no. Um, I mean, there was a Soviet Russia that uh, Cuba. No. Uh, in fact, the only thing that could even remotely be considered a success story is China. and. It depends on what you mean by success. Are they an economic powerhouse who are currently using espionage and uh, a straight up aggressive economic takeovers? Yeah. Well, first of all, a communist country who is destroying other countries by capitalism is, of course, a beautiful <laughs> irony. Yes. Uh, and they're doing it. Uh, but uh, if you judge a country based on things like uh, the personal success of its citizens, which is. Uh, a metric that I would prefer to use. Um, I'm not sure China's a success either. They just haven't fully collapsed. Well, but I'm sure, I mean, if, if China is the most successful country to employ communism, well, there's a, there must be a lot of people like immigrating from and, the United States and all these other countries. They must all be moving to China, right? Because it's so great. Um, no. Also, China is not really communist. They sort of did a, a, a switcheroo to capitalism about 15 20 years ago which would be about the time that they changed from being a third world country into a giant economic powerhouse based on having 1.4 billion people which admittedly you got that many people even if they are all slaves you can generate a hell of a lot of economic output and um i mean for the most part the economic engine of china is capitalist because it is the most effective economic engine ever created by man Yes, it's just um, capitalism that's feeding the communist government. Yeah, and and it's it's a weird form of authoritarian capitalism where I'm not even considered that I'm not even sure the main government is is still communist. They still call themselves that, but it's it's more of a I mean it's almost fascist. It, it is an authoritarian 
centrally planned state where they use a heavy hand to direct in broad strokes where the economy goes and then lets capitalism get it done. It's an interesting concept. There's no question about it. And uh, it's certainly working. But at the same time, uh, you know, the, the main things contributing to China's massive dominance over the rest of the world is espionage is is subverting and co-opting an entire political party in the in the other superpower in the world um and uh, generally doing really shady shit like uh selling on best price and no quality which is how a lot of the goods from china and not all of them there are a number of things out of china that are decent but uh the quality of it, it is part of the culture there to scam each other that that is just how every chinese person not every I, I hate speaking in general I say, yeah i should shut up now <laughs> okay there's a good opener cold opener for the show too <laughs> definitely definitely in the uh gonna be on the list for uh, possibilities there's, but there's a culture there is a culture in china where they don't they, they're i mean they they've been three generations now without any particular form of religion for example and there isn't charity and there isn't people you know in the u.s you can get people to do things by tear jerking them to care about other people won't some of please think of the children that sort of thing and it, it would be a lot harder to use such a uh propaganda technique in china because as a culture they don't care as much about each other they're always trying to they care about their own personal family, which is a noble thing to do. But the average person out on the street, uh, screw you. I'll, I'll cut in line. I'll you know stab you in the back if, if it got me something. I don't know. It, it's the Ferengi would be proud. <laughs> the uh, other weird thing about the new Windows 10 is that upcoming driver changes may break plug and play, according to an article on Bleeping Computer which basically said that the way it works when you plug a new device in, you know, via USB, whatever, that when it goes to the operating system, if, you know, normally for a lot of things, there's a default driver there that will just load up and it'll work. And that's where the whole plug yeah. and play thing They're comes called class in. drivers. The thing now, though, is you'll see that there are some drivers that can be marked as optional only and i'm seeing this in my windows update already what does that mean uh it me and basically they're like well you know if everything's working fine you probably don't need this so they're not forcing the update but there is an update if you go and look for it and specifically ask for it now the problem is if you plug in a new device and the driver that's available is in that state it will give you a driver error message. Your device will not work and you'll have to go to Windows Update specifically, choose the driver and download and install it, which is going to make and things worse. How many how many random end users are going to do that or even know how? Almost zero. I, I mean, dudes named Ben would be like, oh, well, you know, my driver is busted. Let me go to the usual sources and go find a new one or even download one. But I like my mother-in-law is not going to have any fucking idea. It'd be like, uh, yeah, the printer just stopped working. So I threw it away and bought a new one. Oh, was it an Apple computer and an HP printer? I don't know. 
that story's on the docket as well. But yeah, this is going to lead to more instruction manuals from every device that you could possibly buy under the sun to be like, if the driver gives you this error, go to Windows Update, run well, optional and instruction manual. That's a failure waiting to happen. Yeah, it is. No, what you're going to see is everything you buy is now going to have a YouTube channel <laughs> saying here is if if your Windows gives you this error, watch this video, which will show you where to click in order to get things working. Yes. I mean, I was instruction kind of manuals are so 1997. Yeah, I was amused by some of the links that NVIDIA had sent over to me like, oh, try turning off hardware acceleration on your machine. And then there's a link to some third party site that's explaining how to do this. <laughs> it's like, couldn't couldn't you guys just yeah. have put this together yourself? I mean, and then just cut and paste. I mean, that would seem to be, you know, if I was doing tech support for a company that size, I, I would think I would have that be what I'd be doing. Not linking to a third. Be, well. I don't tech know. Support is a cost center. Microsoft actually Microsoft were the pioneers of, of this technique. It's what everybody does now is you don't bother giving instructions. You don't bother telling people how to use your product. What you do is when somebody asks, you respond on Twitter or maybe, you know, maybe you'll have a blog post, but more likely you just reply in forums to help for a bit. And eventually somebody, some third party gets frustrated and goes and writes a detailed post explaining how you use this thing and that's kind of how tech support works anymore nobody writes an instruction manual yeah they and, and microsoft were the pioneers of of just throwing the operating system out there which they've done since the beginning of windows yeah, there were help files in windows 3 but i don't know if anybody if anyone since you know somebody on windows 95 might have accidentally launched the help but nobody ever ever reads the help files in windows everybody knows the help files that come with from microsoft are utter crap in fact every single person is that like if you accidentally hit the f1 key ever in windows you're like uh, get to close this shit what is this garbage in front of because it's useless you want help you go to a web search and you search for some third party who has written an explanation how to do it because that's the only way you're going to get help for windows microsoft is very good at that because they are saving a shit ton of load of money in not providing any help whatsoever. And NetNed in the troll room is absolutely correct. He says, I get it right, Bemrose. It'll be a QR code sending you to a YouTube video, not a link. <laughs> Probably oh, <yes>. right. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or something that you can only activate on your phone. Yeah. And I have to say, I ordered two copies of Taylor Swift's latest CD because they Why were selling you admit them, these things because they were selling them autographed 25 bucks a piece. I'm like, oh, maybe those will go up in value. So I ordered two of them. And in so the all little, I have to do is go buy some shitty album and autograph it and you'll pay me 25 bucks for it. No, I don't want your autograph. But oh. <laughs> I mean, if somebody wants your autograph, there could be a donation for that. If you really want Ryan's autograph, send in. Uh, let's see what would be. I will come up with a good donation amount for that. And then Ryan will send you an autograph photo with him holding a cat. Can you get a picture? Could you do you have by any chance have like a, an outfit that looks like uh, Dr. Uh, Evil do, from. Do I have, by any chance have any pictures of my cat? Is that what you're asking? No, I want, but I want like the Dr. Evil from Austin Powers, like in that gray jacket kind of, I want like you in like uh, that kind of a jacket and holding it with a I cat can, sitting on your lap and you're just like putting your, you know, little, do the whole thing, Dr. Evil. May, and Maybe a fleece robe. Yeah, that could work. And we could send those out for a specific donation amount. But in the package with the two Taylor Swift CDs was a little card that, 
just said vote and had a QR code on it. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, what is this going to be? I was expecting Democratic propaganda, right? I mean, that's would that have been your guess as well? uh, My guess would be propaganda. I wouldn't really want to investigate any farther than that. Well, I'm not going to assume that every celebrity is shilling for the Democrat Party. Only about 95% of them. And she is. And she's been very clear about that. So this is why. You know, when the package, I was kind of like, oh, but it went to a, a page that was you know, branded with her stuff, but it was all to voter.org or vote.org, which is a nonpartisan, yeah. just all voting information. So I was like, OK, you know what? That's cool because people should vote. And I was just uh, really worried that I, this was going to have to agree to disagree on that point. You don't think it's OK to give people voter information? No, I, I just don't think that everybody should vote. I think there are a lot of people who are willfully stupid and ignorant of every political issue ever and telling them to go vote is like handing a live grenade to a toddler and be like, can you take this to mommy? Oh, you know, Terry hamster. I mean, he just said it was a vote for Kanye page. Now, if somebody could hack her page that this goes <laughs> to, to vote for Trump or vote for Kanye, that would, the Kanye would be even better since they have that history. That would be fantastic. Actually, that would be funny. I mean, you know, I dig it, but yeah, I, I I don't I I wish the voters were more informed, but there's no way to do. I mean, I I'm behind you. I well, think there, people- there 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 is ways to do it, and the first one is that people need to be given reliable information. So actually, I'm going to back up and say you're right. There's no way. <laughs> yes, that's never going to happen. Thanks to the news media. Thanks to the new completely bias completely one-sided you you understand that it's not altruistic when somebody who clearly has a a a political side they've chosen um whichever direction that is when when somebody says i want you to go vote and i'm not going to tell you who to vote for they, they are still biased when they do that because they're sending that message to a demographic that they think is more likely to vote for them this is not a no, nobody in politics is altruistic these days, which is why I tweeted at uh, Taylor's account that uh, I am going to be voting uh, just probably not for the ticket. She is going to be voting for, but that's OK. Probably not. OK, I do have one question, though. OK, it's kind of related. Has QR one is QR one. What uh, has, uh, QR codes are? Are they the winner? Because there was a time when you had to have three different apps for there was the like you know, one for barcodes and then you had to have. What was that stupid one that I had? I don't know. Microsoft was using it all over, so they might have invented it. It was all triangles. I don't it, remember the triangles. I mean, oh I, my God. It, I remember I the know. triangle it, tablet from the office. Is everything QR codes now? I think so. And I mean, there's there's default QR code readers in your you know Android apps or in your Android operating system. Oh, never, never, ever, ever use the default apps. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I, oh, actually, this. <laughs> This this was an argument I got into with the people at Microsoft because they had shipped there. There was precisely one and only one uh, code reader for window or for Windows Phone. Uh, why? Because Microsoft wrote it and no third party would ever write something for Windows Phone. Why would you? <laughs> well, nobody uh, was using them. So, well, I, I was using it, which was the problem. And uh, the the reader that came on the phone, here's the way it worked. You scan a code and it will decode the code. Find out what the URL is and launch the URL in your browser. Like, I, okay, that's almost convenient, except what if it's a fucking virus? 
And I went back and forth with them on that. I'm like, uh, can I get a mode in this app that just lets, I want to know what the stupid thing says. I want to do the decode without the automatically send my system to a malware site portion. Yeah, that that's fair. They, yeah. The, the Microsoft app, they were like, we don't understand. Why would you ever scan this and not want to automatically launch the URL? I'm like, well, first of all, maybe I don't want to, maybe maybe my phone is the only way that I have to decode this stupid little grid of dots. And what I really want is to launch it in my fucking desktop browser where I have a screen larger than four inches and don't have to go squint and get a fucking eyeglasses to put maybe just maybe I don't want to launch it in the browser on my phone. And they didn't understand that. Well, then maybe when you see that the URL is you been hacked, yo.com, yeah. then you don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or, you know, the one that always fucked me was, was people, it was Facebook was putting out codes that, and then people would send out just this code. Do you, I don't, was, was I the only, was I in the wrong circles where like for a period of about five months, every fucking URL, people could not post a URL. They had to post uh, the, the grid of dots and be like, click this. It, it was, it was just cool to build. I mean, I was probably hanging out with the wrong people. These people were. We're techie, but did not not techie enough to understand the risks. You know, I very, very rarely now the the QR code on the Taylor Swift vote thing. I was curious about before that the last QR code that I scanned. I can't remember. So, I mean, it's not something that I use even sparingly, almost never, because I just don't really have a use for it. I do understand where there are some uses. I set one up for my friend that owns a the restaurant that when they start doing the outdoor dining and stuff, they're like, well, we just want the menu so people could pull them up on their own devices. So they just gave out little cards with the QR code and boom, people could pull them up if they wanted to. I mean, they could still get the other menu printed, but for people that prefer just to be able to pull it up on their phone, that worked much easier than we'll go to this address. It's like that and that I understand, but otherwise I don't see a lot of use for in advertising and stuff like that. It's mainly just annoying. I think that is the main use. The main use is to give you shit you don't want. Yes. Yes. Um, If somebody does need to use this sort of thing, though, I will make you because I'm generally against the idea of ever using the apps that were handed to you by default on the device. Uh, If your device is Google, then you know for sure you can't trust that shit because everything you scan, they're going to tie to your account. Um, But. the recommendation I'll throw out is um, an app that I have had a lot of luck with called binary. I it is on the F droid store and there will not be a link in the show notes because I don't know how to link to that store, but um, don't get shit on the play store. You know that don't, don't don't use any apps unless they come from the Bemrose repository. That's only available if you hack into his computer. Yes. And even then, it might not be available because I might not have implemented it yet. That's possible. So now, before we stop uh, bashing Microsoft, what what are your thoughts on them installing these uh, what they call the PWAs on everybody's computers? Um, I yeah, uh, you're you're going to need to give me a little bit more context. What are they doing? Well, the fact that it's well, it's a progressive web app. So I mean, that's what the well, PWA yeah. stands I'm, for. I'm familiar what a PWA is. Or what are they doing? They uh, are intentionally adding these into the window well like i said i have heard they've backed out on this a little bit but they were adding them automatically to the window start menu so they were putting in 
you know, for different apps, for Excel, for Wait, Word, okay. for Outlook, PowerPoint. The way you characterize this, they were adding icons, which is annoying enough because you're fucking with my user space, but that's not particularly damaging. You're saying they're installing these as, as web apps? Yes. They're installing your, these apps. Into your start menu. And it's basically just a link to the web app because there's nothing that's installed on your computer because it's a web app, but it well, looks yeah. like an app to your start menu. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, okay. In general, my, my opinion is don't do that. Uh, as a, as a user now, admittedly as, as what Microsoft refers to as a power user and then fucking ignores in all their design decisions. Um, I, if, if I want a program, if I want access to a program, I will go out and acquire access on my own. Um, I don't necessarily need to go through Microsoft as the gatekeeper of of how the program is got. That's the same reason I don't use the play store. Uh, but what I definitely don't need is Microsoft trying to anticipate my needs because Microsoft doesn't even have Google or Facebook's database of everything I've ever clicked on in my life in order to run some AI and decide, Hey, this is something I think that he's going to use. No, all Microsoft has is this weird concept in their heads that, well, We'd like to push this app. So let's just assume that every single user of Windows wants to run it. Right. And they show up, you know, in like the uninstall apps and you can then remove them. But they show up as programs, I think, which confuses people. But well, you can't just point to it and hit delete. No, no. I mean, you got to do other stuff. So this thing is installed. Kind Anything of. that goes into the list of installed apps is I mean, they have installed shit on my computer. Now, you said you were a power user. That's how you would. That would tell you. That, that is the the internal term at Microsoft so, used for describing people who understand how their computer works and want some kind of control over what it does. And, and you're white. My wife, I would characterize as a power user. Yes. No, I mean, you are white, not your wife. White. Sorry. No. So you would be a white power user. I do not self-identify with any particular race. You just Bemrose. I'm, I'm not going to let you go there. You're going to have to <laughs> talk over me to do it. That wouldn't be okay. Like that would be the first time they're, they're talking over each other. How unique, how unique. But uh, when it comes to the presidential election coming up, I thought it was interesting. There was a story out of Georgia that the county voter information was leaked by a ransomware oh. gang. I guess they tried to collect the ransom oh, oh, and then uh, oh, we moved off of Microsoft. You see, we we don't plan our show very well. I had one more thing on the Microsoft thing. Oh, well, you didn't say you have more Microsoft. Well, hit me with more Microsoft well, info. OK, th this one, depending on on your opinion of various parts of the technology, this could be a very good thing. But Microsoft has released a Windows update that removes the OS bundled flash player from Windows. Yes, finally. It won't let you reinstall it. Yeah. If you install this update, first of all, you can never, it will never let you reinstall Flash and <laughs> you cannot, it is one of the Windows updates that you cannot remove. Yeah. Well, Microsoft so, and Adobe have always had kind of a, a hate, hate, love, hate relationship, I think. Yeah. Which is why it never made any sense for, for Windows to bundle Flash back in the day. But yes, apparently Blitz. they're finally correcting that. Now, uh, the the update that does this is is from the Microsoft catalog, which is designed for server and IT admins. And in order to install it, it, it you don't get it from Windows Update. 
you have to go find it from the Microsoft catalog and do a manual install. So I guess everybody else by default is still going to have flash on the system. But if you are desperate to not run flash uh, and don't trust yourself to not reinstall it, I guess this was for you. Well, More I likely did get a, it's designed with the update on Windows 10. I did get a pop up asking if I wanted to remove flash. So, OK, that is being I, rolled out the 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 it's impossible to reinstall it. it I'm pretty sure that the feature is for IT people who manage core and, and, you know, being on the Microsoft catalog, same thing. It's probably for uh, a dude's named Ben who manage a corporate space for a ton of users who you don't trust. And you know that if the users want to click the dancing monkey, they might install flash on their systems again. So you roll this out to everybody's system and it can't install flash. That's probably what it's for. But, the idea of this removes software, it can't be uninstalled, and it prevents the software from ever being installed again, and you have to manually choose to do it. Like from a user perspective, it struck me as exactly the same use as, say, that chastity cage where you just want to deny shit to yourself and let somebody else take control over whether or not you can run software. I'm like, I don't want to use Flash, but at the same time, I don't need to install an update that prevents me from ever using it should my needs change later. Which I don't think it will. But it's interesting when you still run into some websites that still have Flash on them and you're like, dude, you're going to be gone December 31st. Blitz was asking, oh, Flash still exists. Yes. December 31st is the last day that it will be active. So we can celebrate its demise. So what this. What this update does not do is it did not remove any standalone flash players you might have installed, which is actually good because I have, well, I, I downloaded the flash SDK back in the day because, uh, you know, I, I mess around with, with flash games and stuff like that. There's, it is in fact, a, a valid platform for little web distributed games, for example. And, you know, there might be some older ones that you want to play. A standalone is still there. Uh, but the other thing that really struck me, um, this uh, this does not remove flash from any browser firefox chrome it doesn't remove flash from edge if you have installed the flash plugin into your browser you still got it the only thing it does is remove the the one that's bundled in the os interesting so it doesn't really make everybody safe just no yet. but i i mean baby steps which is really the only kind of steps microsoft knows how to do so and uh, right now, your wife and your brother are both in the troll room. So, people, you're missing out. If you don't come into the troll room when we're doing the shows, noagendastream.com. You are listening Apparently to Grumpy Old out. the grumpiest podcast in the universe. So, any other Microsoft stuff? Uh, I, I, I can rant, but no, that, that was the only other thing I had. We've come right up to the edge. We're done edging with Microsoft. Yeah, please. Okay. Now. Let's go to the voting. I mean, this this yes, brings please. in tech. I mean, we're not really talking about the election, but the uh, there was a doppelpamer ransomware gang. I love the names of some of these things released <laughs> unencrypted data stolen from Hall County in Georgia during a cyber attack earlier this month. On October 7th, Hall County in Georgia announced they had suffered a ransomware attack that had impacted their networks and phone systems at the time. They stated there was no indication that the hacker stole any unencrypted data before performing the attack and uh then there was a bunch did, did of they stuff still, like poorly encrypted data i must have because they released a lot of records 
including some that appear <laughs> to show people's social security numbers. And uh, no promise. We, we encrypted all of this stuff with rot 13. Yes. In yeah. fact, for extra security, we ran rot 13 twice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is uh, with more and more things going online and with any of the election stuff being online, it is very concerning because even if you assume, which I don't, that every individual locality municipality is doing their best to make sure that the election nope. results are legit. When you add this to it, when you add internet connectivity to this information, it's just very concerning because there's no way to keep this data safe. I, there is, but it it's called remove the internet connectivity. Yes, that's right. That's the only way is to disconnect. And this isn't where we're going with this. We're going more and more, you know, with everything being online. And this is just very, very worrisome. I mean, it really is making elections uh, a kangaroo kind of a ordeal rather than, oh, we have complete faith in our elections. This is like, you know, can you? And I mean, okay, this is a small area in Georgia. Well, who's saying the same thing's not going on in downtown Chicago or downtown New York? Well, I, I, I there are literally dozens of stories every single day from various places. Uh, every single one of these stories of, oh, there was election fraud in this one precinct, but it's only one precinct. That's fine. But when we're getting dozens a day of election fraud here, election fraud there. I mean, it, right now it's a sexy hot topic. So people report on it. I don't I, I would not even delude myself into thinking election fraud didn't happen all over the damn place in previous elections. But, man, it's hard not to look at this and go, people are corrupt. Yes, they're corrupt. And then you mix in even the folks that may not be corrupt, like these people in Georgia, probably not corrupt. Don't know. But if somebody then hacks their system, well, in, incompetent is just a different flavor. <laughs> yes, it is a side chain to corruption that you're not corrupt yourself, but you're letting other people into the system. They're going to do bad things. All, all that's required for evil to triumph is to put stupid people in charge of critical systems. Is that well, how that one goes? That explains a whole lot of things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, that explains a whole lot of things, including the. Uh, the issue that happened at home depot now this one yeah was I that thought, the one with was that the one about the red rover it should be it should be the red rover this is that uh, a canadian home depot a guy had placed an order and he got a message saying that his order was ready to pick up now he actually got the email for his order so that all made sense but then all of a sudden the emails kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and uh what it looks like happened here was kind of hilarious because he realized that in the area of an email that shows how many people are on you know that are getting that email so you know in your uh when you're two little area for your two in your email well in his first one he got there were like 85 people on the email and it turns out that the next email he got was for somebody else's order there were now 86 people on the email and the next one was from a different order 87 and this went up to 600 times so 
it's like Home Depot system was creating these emails for people that had not picked up their goods. So this appeared to be reminder emails telling people, hey, you've placed an order with Home Depot. You need to come pick them up. This was all over Canada. So not just one small area, but the system sending out these emails was piggybacking and not somehow deleting the email address from the previous one they sent. Then when they went to the next one, they just kept adding on and adding on and adding on, which, uh, you know, hilarity ensued, I guess. Uh, That is a fascinating way to get yourself onto a spam mailer list. (laughs) Is it not? You know, it's like in the two line of each email, this is from the bleeping computer. There were numerous other email addresses up to a maximum of 544. Interesting. The first email I got had 83 email addresses, the next one, 84, the next 85, 86. So the system worked its way through all of the reminders scheduled to be sent and then appended each customer's email to the list growing as oh it my gosh. went. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's just a, a straight coding error. That's, I mean, you could, you can argue, Hey, no testing which testing is valuable. Uh, somebody really needs to go update their unit test framework. Yes. But it, yeah. I mean, it's a bug. It's some programmer needs to be smacked a bit and be like, okay, don't do that again. And I like this from bleeping Peter to add more misery to an already terrifying situation. The or- order email terrifying said- receiving, <laughs> receiving unwarranted spam email is terrifying. Yeah, telling you of other people's orders and the credit card information only showed like the last four digits. So it wasn't like there was Hello. The, the, the threshold of fear for some idiots is a little too low. Yes. The order emails had several customers CC'd on them. And that means the cus- any customer who then used reply all. then. Sent- oh, my God. No. <laughs> yeah. This set, this set up. Uh, some, this seems like a Benny Hill sketch uh, in just in the modern age that this set up. A system where entire corporate networks have been dropped for things like that. (laughs) Like, like, I mean, there were stories of the entire Microsoft corporate email network, all of the servers dropping under the load of somebody starts with a really big list, say five, six thousand people and sends something inappropriate and then not all 6,000, but maybe 500 people all hit reply all saying, don't send out emails like this. Yes. The original me too. And, and the entire system will melt. It, it will melt. And that's a cold acid said me too. The uh, update was customers home addresses were also exposed to strangers and because, uh, you know, that's uh it's just beautiful, man. It is. Yeah, it's it's clearly I mean, it's a privacy breach and it's spam and it's unfortunate. Uh, I, I, I don't I, I don't read any malice into this story. No, no. it just shows what can happen. <laughs> and Home Depot, I think, is trying to get this stuff right, as I believe most places doing voting are they're trying hard to get this stuff right. Yeah, but when things but go wrong, what do you do? I, I don't you know, when when somebody says go learn to code nobody ever seems to go out there and say you know what also learn to test also learn to get your your code reviews also learn how to not release shit code into the wild i i don't know i this this definitely a get off my lawn moment but back when i was learning to program and all we had was c and assembly and basic that nobody used um it it 
you, you had to pay a whole lot more attention. You couldn't just, you know, just cram together two JavaScript frameworks with a couple of if statements to connect them and ship it to production. And I can't help but think that coders were better back in the day. They might have had a little better idea of what was going on, huh? Well, at least they knew how to debug because you had to. <laughs> you had to do the job or you had people that were actually doing that job, which is a plus. Well, yeah, if you're one of the places that had test and dev as separate roles that I mean, then somebody's doing so. But at least then you you had QA to to check you and say, hey, um, you know, I ran your code and it set the, the testing lab on fire. So maybe fix that bug or just set the testing lab on fire again. But we're so into this. Well, we ecosystem. have to reproduce it. <laughs> right. Well, you have to. Uh, I mean, really, if you want to be able to stop the error, you have to be able to reproduce it, which I get it, you yeah, know, which means the, what you need to do is you need to run the code on your own dev box first. <laughs> yeah, you got to run it somewhere. I mean, that's why I feel bad for people that work like tech support at NVIDIA. And I'm like, you know, I, 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 I feel bad for people <laughs> who work tech support full stop. Yes. You know, I, I'm going to a browser and it's crash, And it's like, well, if, like, well, it's not crashing mine. That's usually the best answer that you Well, no, yeah. it's working fine here. Well, it's not here. You're trying yeah, to reproduce yeah. Work, works everything. on my machine works on my machine is probably the most annoying bug resolution. <laughs> yeah. Well, and as you've talked about in the past, that's why Apple has done a better job because they control the hardware. But it turns out there was an article uh, just the other day that there was something about the certificates from HP printers, which expired and Apple decided to revoke printing privileges. So if he had an Apple computer and an HP printer and eh, they just stopped working. You know, this isn't specifically an Apple or HP problem. I mean, yes, it's totally comical and you can totally poke fun at it. If, if you don't like a company, you'd be like, ha ha, you guys had a bug. Um, this is a problem that's inherent to uh, and, and I'll go ahead and lay this one on Google, too, because fuck them. They deserve more blame. Uh, but this is inherent to the idea that we have to implement uh, it, it, like SSL encryption everywhere. This is something we're going to see a lot of. I've already seen at least two stories this year of some certificate expiring and something broke. We actually had that problem with the no agenda server briefly, but fortunately we were prepared. Uh, but yeah, I, the having to implement some kind of, you know, to, to staple on some kind of, of SSL encryption and then using a public security thing and very few programmers understanding how encryption works is is a recipe for trouble because the the way the scenario is this you write your code and you write your website you write your your service whatever it is and then you try to put it out there and somebody says no 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 you can't use it unencrypted you have to encrypt it and you're like but i don't know how which by the way is the default state for most programmers and i don't fault people for not knowing how to implement security it's hard most people shouldn't be trying to do it but what they do is they go out to some website let's encrypt or somewhere and be like you know look at a youtube tutorial how do i add encryption to my app and they show you how to do it and you never actually know how it works because you don't have to and you go out and you get yourself a free certificate that expires one year later and you go and everything works great and you move on and you never understood what was going on but a year later everything explodes and now you don't really know how to debug it because you're a little too the far time in the yeah, you're too far down yeah. the rabbit hole at that point. 
Yeah. And half the time the error messages are awful and it just, you know, says, you know, such and such failure. Most of the time you get like a, you know, a 500, this, your server explodes because everybody uses exception based programming instead of doing error checking. Like we were taught back in the day, you young kids, punks. Um, and so instead of having a, a pointer to what line through the error, what you have is, is an exception was thrown. And if you're lucky, you get a stack trace somewhere in a log and you have to dig that out. And, and again, back to nobody knows how to debug anything anymore. Right. So, well, it's, it's a lost art. It really is getting to be a lost art. And a big part of that is probably what we've talked about in the past, which was back before there was the internet, definitely before there was high speed internet. Companies were really against putting out a product on a disc that was screwed up because there was no easy way to get those bug fixes to people. Yeah. Now it's just complacency. Like, oh, everybody's got eyes being in there. Don't worry. Just yeah. throw it out. Well, and it did from the programming perspective. It is, in fact, uh, the, the entire industry has changed to, oh, we don't need to test that much. We just, you know, it, the priority from from a business perspective, not just a coding perspective. The priority is get the software out because earlier to market is better than getting it right. It's okay to ship a few bugs. We'll just patch them in the next fix, in the right. next release, which might be, you know, two weeks later if you're Firefox. <laughs> well, yeah. And when there's, when those, I mean, really, people don't even consider that either, which is the browser you choose is probably one of the most important choices a regular person can make. Because if there is a security issue, that's the main thing people do on their computers. Most people, that's all they do is go on a browser. Even you get your email now, most people in a browser. I get a lot of email in a browser. I have been using Thunderbird more now for my other accounts than, you know, getting away from the Gmail and the YouTube and all that kind of crap, which is great for spam and for mailing lists and that. But a browser is basically the life of a computer for a lot of people. And if you choose something, you know, say Firefox, and they don't patch something for two weeks, that could be really bad. It, it could be. And we're, we're, uh, just, we're just so wrapped up in this stuff. I mean, there was an article. I mean, there's really not much to be said about this. I only clipped this for the fact that WhatsApp now, which is Facebook owned, we talk about the Internet being the public sphere. This is how the you know people are talking to each other now. WhatsApp, I mean, I would ask you, but I already told you beforehand. WhatsApp is now delivering. It, it, fortunately, I don't listen to you. So go ahead and ask anyway. Oh, how many messages a day do you believe WhatsApp is handling for people? I'm going to go with about tree fitty. A hundred billion. That would be more. <laughs> that would be a few more. A <laughs> hundred billion messages. Wow. Going through <laughs> Facebook servers. You know, they could say, oh, it's all encrypted. We're not reading them. Who believes it? it's not end-to-end encrypted though what didn't whatsapp start that i mean maybe they didn't yeah i thought they were adding it but uh, no i i mean a signal was i think created i I might be totally wrong on this and if so don't fact check me i don't care but (laughs) i I thought signal was created because whatsapp was not end-to-end encrypted am i wrong there or maybe they were and now they did i mean i don't use it i mean that's that's my, my understanding and again i don't use whatsapp but my understanding of WhatsApp was that they are encrypted between you and Facebook and then encrypted between Facebook and the other play end. But all those messages are unpackaged by Facebook in the middle. It says WhatsApp FAQ about end to end encryption. So maybe they do have that now. 
Yeah, end-to-end encryption really is just a keyword that says that the service provider is not performing a man-in-the-middle attack. Well, they're saying they're not. It doesn't guarantee. Well, it, it, that well if not. you have end-to-end, if you have true end-to-end encryption, that does, in fact, guarantee it. Yes, yeah, because you don't have the ability, which is why companies like ProtonMail, that's what the, all their stuff is based on, which is, yeah, okay, we're storing your emails, but without well, your yeah, key. We're, we're storing encrypted the encrypted emails, yes. Correct. Which means that even if law enforcement comes to us, the only thing we can give them is your IP address. And I don't think they do that without court orders, yeah. but they can't give and, them any of the messages, which makes it a whole less useful. Yeah. And and that's definitely, I mean, it, it helps. If if you want actual security, then end-to-end encryption is kind of a starting point. Like if, if you want secure communications, you you really need to not be using anything that does not genuinely have full end-to-end encryption because otherwise the company that you're going through, no matter who they are, that is a man in the middle attack. And, and we've discussed on previous shows that e, you know, even if the company is totally reputable, the, the FBI or someone can go and to, you know, go to the company with a national security letter and say, you're going to give us the clear text of every single one of this person's emails and they can't even tell you they're doing it yes it's very nefarious the way that whole thing worked which is why a lot of people decide to pay for a vpn because as we've talked about free vpns not something you want to be involved with because they're the ones then taking yeah, your data right. I, I think free vpn is kind of an oxymoron it is but when it comes to people that use a vpn who are they trying to protect their data from overall um e- each other themselves well you I mean, know i could throw big a- whoever anybody or honestly anybody who is not either the sender or recipient of the data that would have an interest in it i think is is the answer to that that is that is the proper answer which uh then i want your reaction on google is bringing its own vpn to desktops and phones with a 999 google one subscription oh hell no <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I've used NordVPN and I understand there is a trust issue that you have to trust the VPN that you're going through. But one of the reasons people use VPNs is to keep their data safe from Google. That's on the Google, Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Those are at the top of the list. Yeah, they are. They are right at the top of the list of attackers that, uh-huh. that would. Yeah, that not only, you know, they have financial incentive to collect everything they can learn about you. Yeah, Google's and, like, no, no, and we'll the, the technological means of doing it. Google says we'll keep your data safe from all those other bad people. <laughs> I, I'm sure there are people in Silicon Valley who trust Google implicitly. I'm sure Charlie Manson thought some people were bad in the world, too. And he was good. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't either. Yeah. Big tech, man. They're just you, trying you know to make some more money. Get? You know what else you don't get? A lot of smart things. yoga pants. <laughs> well, one. Well, okay. I hope you don't get them because I don't want to see those pictures. I was like, yeah, nobody wants to see me in yoga pants. Although I did have to post a, a photo, a no agenda social the other day because, well, I was just got called out. Prof War. He uh, posted a photo with his hair like all down in front of his face, looking all like, you know, Kurt Cobain, you know, before the shotgun thing. And yeah. I was like, well, my hair has never been longer. It's down past my shoulders. Normally, always went with really short hair, but I needed a haircut badly at the end of March and then COVID. 
So I haven't gotten a haircut. Yeah. In uh, it's, I mean, it's probably going oh, on. See, we, uh, my county very, very briefly, I want to say in May, uh, be, before they got really organized and decided to get serious about the bullshit lockdowns, um, they very briefly let people out to, you know, we, we entered phase two, phase three, we, we changed phase, whatever the fuck that means, turned from a gas to a solid. And I went out and got a haircut then. And I think that was the last haircut I got. And I have been doing my own ever <laughs> since then. Okay. What, what so just no, do it what, in the mirror? That's the system. I mean, how does this work? Well, the, the system is who the fuck is going to see me. Well, that's true too. So like I, I get out and get my razor to pull all the hair away from my ears, which is the one thing I hate. And, and then do, you know, the back of my neck so I don't end up with a mullet. And then I think we're good. Yeah. Blitz suggested the flow I could see that. I could see maybe, uh, I, we, you know, I, I could see that coming back. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is the, this would be the perfect product to have like 20,000 of them in a garage somewhere going like, wait, wait, people are stuck at home. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> do they have vacuums? And, and the 20,000 is all the ones that never fucking sold back in the day because yes. the product was a flop. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've considered just doing the whole, you know, uh, just cutting it all off, but I'm like, yeah, that seems like a pain too in its own way. Um, so I had to post well, a photo. Like, like, I mean, Bemlet gets the, the trimmers out and it, every you know, once a week he bicks it. He just goes bald. Well, I mean, he went bald, but this is his way of dealing with it as he took the rest of the hair off. Yeah. And that works. I mean, that works. And I have the device because it's for trimming, you know, beards and stuff. It can, you can do the same thing. You just set it, you know, from like one to 20, whatever the settings are. So you can get pretty damn close and, uh, and just go down and, and do that. And, you know, by yeah, now, if I would have done that at the start, pretty damn close with something like that, it sounds like a recipe for losing an ear. <laughs> well, there's, you know, it's, it's safe there. It's everything that could cut you <laughs> Quote, safe is uh, behind, you know, little plastic guides. So, uh, you know, it, it's relatively safe, but it also just seems to be, you know, not something I really wanted to do yet. Although I might get to that point. I, the, the very idea of a vacuum cleaner attachment with a spinning blade in it and putting it right next to your head. The word safe does not come to mind. Yeah. Bemlet said that he chose to go bald, but then his body decided to make it final. Yes. Well, you know, I always tell, you know, uh, when, but there was there was a time period when I grew up my hair just you know I was uh, a hippie at yeah well I'd never had a hippie phase I was always the the academic in school and you know my parents were very proud of me and then you know but they were hippies from back in the day so of course I needed to grow my hair out at least once and I did it and it was about the same time that Bemlet decided that he was going to go bald and my comment at the time was yeah we both deal with male pattern baldness in our own way. <laughs> Just, I had grown my hair out to below my shoulders and he was shaving and you're, you're keeping that one last hair and you just keep spinning it around trying to cover everything. <laughs> That's not no, a, not actually, a good look. actually, uh, yeah, genetics, w- whether this is good or bad, you can tell me, but for some reason, genetics cursed my younger brother to go bald 10 years before me. I, I think am, that am, was just a karma. I'm 43 and just now thinning, and he was Chrome Dome at 25. He deserved it, right? Something like that. I mean, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to recriminate my potential guest host for Monday. You uh, hit him with a car twice. I mean, the hair loss seems minimal. Oh, I might run point. him over. I'm just not going to recriminate him. It might, uh, yeah, that may be the case. So let's uh, cover a little bit more. We talked about Section 230, I think, on the last show, but we didn't have all of these great comments from 
all of these tech CEOs. And if you saw any of the video, did Jack Dorsey not look like he was trying to get a job leading Al Qaeda? <laughs> I did not see the video. And now I wish I had. I mean, he's got the beard like down, you know, half his chest now. And it's just like, well, maybe he doesn't have a floby either. But it's a beard. You can do that without hurting yourself. I mean, it's, it was, it was a weird look. I mean, it takes a it, certain level of skill and it looked kind of straggly and it's definitely <laughs> like the gray mixed in. I mean, he just kind of looked like you would think if he was trying to go into the Middle East and lead a terrorist oh organization. Yeah. Hey, and listen, okay, Jack, I can pull that off because it's not likely I'm going to be subpoenaed to be in front of Congress anytime soon, right. mostly because I don't run your company and I'm not going out and censoring half of them. You know, you would think, you know, he would have AI that could just change the way he looks. You know, you think he'd have enough money to do that. You can, he can I bet sh- he does. You know, maybe, you know, he might actually be clean shaven at home and he just decided to. But that would okay. See, then I would actually like the guy if that was the scam he pulled on Congress. Was he's actually fully, you know, clean shaven, and he just this was just a new app he was testing out because it looked good. Let me tell you, it looked <laughs> it looked realistic. Uh, but the interesting part about this whole Section Two Thirty, and we talked about what it was. You know, to make that long story short, if you missed that, it's the part of the law that says websites, anything online. That oh lets, my god, he looks like he's ready to found Apple. Yes, you see. That says, uh, you know, if you have users posting content, you aren't responsible for it as long as you don't. If you're not a publisher, as long as you're not deciding what gets published and what doesn't. Now, the interesting thing was Jack Dorsey, his reaction to this was if they do this, it's going to make for more censorship online. And I'm like, what? Yes, that was exactly. I'm like, okay, my brain is getting blown. Because that was Dorsey's whole concept right now on the podcast. Yeah, it is. It's blown. Boom. When I heard that, I mean, I've recovered a little bit since I could get blown on the podcast. I'd do it. That's a a totally different thing. Oh, okay. But I just don't understand the, you know, the viewpoint and the all of these stories from the liberal tech press that are dealing with this in the same way. And it's like. There's I, I can't tell you how many stories I saw that are like, oh, you know, Ted Cruz and others, they they uh, they claim that these sites are do, doing more censoring of conservatives, but that's never been proven. It's not true. And there was one thing that was asked, and it was to Jack Dorsey, I believe, not Zuckerberg, because both of them were part of this. But I believe that one of the lawmakers to Dorsey asked them, asked him, well, can you name one? liberal that you've shadow banned or whatever the word they used was and jack couldn't come up with one not one <laughs> not one now if you say who have you done this to on the conservative side it's like well let's see president trump and Coulter. you know i think ted cruz uh you know bongino i mean and i mean there's a whole list i mean you can go down the list i, I know that candace owens what wasn't there at least one that that they they had like the the day that they took out like 35 very prominent conservative bloggers. They, there was also the one liberal that they took out as well. I, I don't remember who it was like Sirhan Sirhan or someone. Yeah, I do remember something like that, but obviously Jack couldn't remember who they, he couldn't remember yeah. who his token was. Yeah, there, there was, yeah, there was just the one, there was the one liberal radical, like the super radical person. 
and then everybody on the conservative side. Yeah. Which is why when you ask Jack Dorsey, well, okay, tell me a liberal that you've had to do this to. He's like, um, I don't know. You know, he might just be keeping the plausible deniability. He's like, uh, I need you to, okay, you guys know what my uh, political standpoint is because I tweet about it all the time. I need you to just go make sure that's the only thing people see. And I don't want the details because I might be called to testify. Right. I don't, I don't want to know anything at all about what's going on. And hey, I mean, maybe that's the way to go. I mean, that I'm- is. That is the best position for a CEO is I don't want to know what's going on in my company. Well, this is where this all just becomes theater, though, because we all understand everybody listening to grumpy old beds. Every expert that's hearing my voice knows that Jack Dorsey, Zuckerberg, all these guys are not really involved in the day to day of who's being censored and what's going on. So asking them questions, Google at Google, for example, there are no humans involved at all. Twitter, yeah. I don't know. Um, but what uh, you know, it, it's really easy to get plausible deniability, though, when what you have is an algorithm doing your censoring and all you're doing is feeding your biases in as the initial condition of the algorithm and saying, OK, go censor everybody who doesn't think like me. And then when the thing censors everybody on the right, you can say, well, we didn't know what was going on. I loved just the tone of this paragraph. This was an article from The Verge. Oh. The we all know The Verge, but Congress, unfortunately, yeah, but Congress, unfortunately, yet unsurprisingly, wasn't actually interested in Section 230. Republicans pummeled the CEOs with angry questions about individual moderation decisions. At one particularly bizarre moment, Senator Ted Cruz asked Dorsey, who the hell elected you? Like this is yeah. journalism. I mean, come on. And and I'm pretty sure the person who wrote it wrote it in exactly that voice. <laughs> I, I agree. They they see because you can see the seething, you know, just popping off the page of uh well, it, it, I I need to go through, I need to just go through like for one solid week every story that I read and document every use of unnecessary adjectives and <laughs> and yes. emotionally descriptive words and pull them all out because that is emotionally charged journalism seems to be the only way things are done anymore. They like, got all the know, feels, Congress yo. can't just Congress can't just pass a law. They have to vindictively pass a law or or benevolently pass a law. They, it's the only way to do it. You can't just do something. Well, yeah. And nobody will ever agree when Trump yeah. says he wants to do something, which is why I liked when Trump can't just make a comment, he can he can only lash out. Right. You know, he lashes out. So that that was where it was interesting, where, you know, the Democrats wanted whatever. I don't remember the exact numbers, but if it was like the Democrats wanted two trillion for the stimulus bill or whatever it was, Trump's like, no, no, I want even more. So it's confusing to them because then they're like, that sounds like a lash out to me. Yeah, it's he's so much lashing out. He wants more money to go to the American people. Well, no, no, that's he's just yeah, he's he's lashing out. He's angry. He doesn't know what he's saying. It's it's just all insanity. But this is where when it's even it's it's actually a it's a a pretty easy template. It's Trump did Trump did blank, uh, you know, angrily or uh, he's orange man bad. (laughs) Yes. Then Trump saw a small puppy at the side of the road. And leaned down and gently stroked his head angrily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say not gently. Lean down and and uh, you know, angry. Yeah, okay. I, I go. Yes, go, go, go. Uh, the only CEO 
that they spoke to was uh, Zuckerberg that was in support of changing Section 230. So, uh, oh, 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 I have to know, did Zuckerberg's human mask stay on the whole time this time? Yes, it appeared to stay on. It appeared to look good. But I mean, again, this could have been an AI again. This could have just been something uh, that was how do we really know it was Zuckerberg? I mean, this is, again, where the deep fakes come in. There's a website that we talked about at one point, which is um, it's something like I don't really exist dot com. There's one of these websites that is constantly generating new photos that look like people, but they're not. They're all just computer generated that people oh, don't yeah, really I have exist. seen that one. And they're very realistic. I mean, it's like I would never be able to tell the difference. So, uh, you yeah. know, how do you, how do you know? This is fact, where. Uh, yeah, it's this person does not exist dot com. And uh, I, I've actually seen a number of bots and things that uh, will will go to that site and just grab pictures in bulk for profile pictures of bot accounts. Well, yeah, that's exactly what they could be used for, because, you know, that's the one thing. If you're trying to do a fake account on social media. Well, if you steal somebody else's photo, there is a chance. I mean, not a big chance, but there's a chance the original person will track you down because if you ever do a there's Google, there's Tinai, there's other ways. Uh, I think Bing lets you do it, too, where you can upload a photo and it'll show you everywhere else it exists or where they've been able to find it on the Internet. Right. So if somebody's stealing your photographs, this is one way, you know, upload your profile picture. And if it shows up you know, on a bunch of social media sites that you don't have, well, then somebody's lifted your photograph. Oh, oh, I just had an idea. If you really want to fuck with the Facebook algos, yeah, go start posting some of the pictures from that site and then tag random people. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, these are my friends. These are my <laughs> only friends. <laughs> well, well, okay. You just made this whole story sad and lonely. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? <laughs> That's why we're grumpy here on Grumpy yes, Old Ben's. We are. We are in grumpyoldbeds.com. What else you got? Uh well, we never did talk about the smart yoga pants, but I don't <laughs> know if I, the moment might have passed. <laughs> is there anything that really needs to be said beyond that somebody is making Honestly, honestly everything about it three words smart yoga pants. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Billy Bones has a pair. I I, I, I uh, he might. He uh, Billy Bones is the one who turned us onto this story via no agenda social now uh it monitors your body position during yoga and connects to your phone via bluetooth le and uh it also gives you haptic feedback if you're doing your yoga wrong uh oh and the one other thing for a moderate fee you can upgrade the little it, it does this there's sensors in the pants and then there's a little puck that attaches to the back of your left leg and for a small additional feed, you can upgrade the puck to one that talks to you. Your pants can talk to you. Yes. And they tell you whether you're doing yoga right. Um, and, <laughs> and also, if you're not doing yoga right, then your pants start vibrating, which I think might destroy <laughs> yoga. I think women would appreciate that feature more than men. I, 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 I really tried not going there, but you know, it was impossible. I just want to know if Billy Bones, and if you've ever heard Billy Bones, you probably have heard his podcast, which is a walk through the mind. But I want to know if he sent this to us uh, ironically, or, or is it a suggestion? Like, hey, you guys got to check this out. This is great. I use them every day. 
I, I think he sent it to us because he wanted us to read about this and talk about it on the show because he knew that he would get exactly this reaction. Kind of like when, <laughs> when I said that it, you know, it uh, has a bunch of sensors, it connects to your phone. Oh, by the way, of course, there's a cloud service goes with it, which means you have to log in all of these things. Every time you talk about some kind of new smart device, it, it connects to your phone by Bluetooth. There's an app, there's a cloud service, there's a login, all of these things. You were right. You were absolutely right. The only thing we had to say was smart yoga pants and all the rest of this just comes with it. Oh, yes. If the rest is implied yeah. for whatever you can imagine it would be, it is. And more much like uh, this. Although what, this what, is this is our beat now. I'm just I'm just waiting. You see somebody wearing these on the street and you, you I mean, you know, somebody is going to hack it so that you're just walking down the street. Your pants start vibrating. <laughs> hey that sounds like a fun time i mean just think you could everybody wear those to a concert if you know if concerts ever happen again and then you know people this could be the the performer can control that and why, why stop at yoga pants why not in uh you know some boxer briefs or uh you could, there's so many things you can do with ai now it, but if if i may quote professor malcolm from jurassic park the scientists were so busy trying to figure out if they could do something. They never stopped to think if whether they should. That does explain a lot of tech today. It's so much of it. So, so much, so much of the modern tech world is, uh, okay, you did this and it's cool, but why? <laughs> because we could. That is now, the admittedly answer. with my body shape. I'm, I'm not into yoga, so maybe I don't understand. And maybe, Maybe the one thing that yoga has really needed to break out and become the biggest thing ever is to be connected via Bluetooth to your phone. Well, right. What about what about this? Instead of yoga pants, what if we can get a smart, full body leotard with holographic emitters that can make even the most out of shape gentleman look like he's Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime? Uh, Hollywood's been doing that for years. It's called a mocap <laughs> suit and a green screen. Right. So what we just build this in. You don't need the green screen anymore. Everybody that's walking down the street just sees you that way. I, 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 I've seen sci-fi stories like that. I, yeah. I mean, there was uh, what the hell did I watch? It was some shitty movie on Netflix that was uh, I want to say Bruce Willis was uh, in in a world where uh, everybody kind of went out and did their own thing, but they were all in idealized bodies. And then they backed out after the intro. And it turned out that every single person was at home in a VR chair and was experiencing the entire world and everybody, every other person in the world as uh, some kind of VR. And well, it, that, it was, you know, crazy sci-fi dystopia. Yeah. But now since everybody has to stay home because of the virus, this is going to be the yeah, new it way. It kind of feels like we're living that. Yeah. This is the new way to stay in, to go out. That's uh <laughs> patent pending but netflix the prices are going up so i mean there's that you can pay more to watch videos now at home yeah, yeah. C congratulations well, yeah, again, it, it only makes sense with the quality going down but there's i no don't know if that's netflix's fault it's yeah. hollywood in general yes has ho hollywood has decided to react to this unprecedented crisis where in in loss of demand for their services by going completely woke and trying to destroy what credibility they have left well that is the beauty of self-created 
content, including podcasts, including with things people upload to YouTube and BitChute and other sites like that, is that people now have a much bigger choice of things to choose for their entertainment, you know, dollar in their time. I mean, forget dollar. There's so much free content out there that if you want to be entertained, you can find stuff online. And a lot of it is made by people like you and me, including this particular podcast. And we do rely upon the value for value model to keep this going. And we have a new donor. And this I thought was great because he Yay, mentioned more experts. Yes, another expert. And he mentioned like, well, I'll just read the note. He sent in a 15 bucks says in the morning. Wait, this isn't another one of those weirdos that like Spamlet, is it? No, no, that okay. was just Cal from Lavender Blossoms. And he hasn't reached out to us yet to let us know why he likes Bemlet. Cause uh, I mean, even his own family doesn't I, really like Bemlet. Well, it's possible that Cal has just been hitting the CBD a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Cal, Cal uh, back away, man. Just, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to, to cast shade on, on our experts because they're all amazing. But um, I mean, and really? Cal <laughs> has really good CBD oil. No question about it. There is no question that he, he's got the best. But this is a gentleman named Jake Smith. He says in the morning. So a no agenda guy. No question about it. Thank you for your courage. I started listening about a month ago and I haven't missed an episode. I didn't want to be a douchebag. So here's money. So I mean, OK, we appreciate it. He understands the value for value. He says when you were talking about that stupid wireless chastity belt, I laughed so hard at one point, I almost veered into another lane while driving. <laughs> that was a good one. Yes. He said, that is the point I knew I needed to donate. So you see, this is the kind of stuff we should be covering more on, like, well, the, where, um, like the yoga where, where, bands. Yeah, we're definitely nailing the the formulaic show segment where <laughs> we we highlight some stupid Internet of Things thing. And point out that it's got an app and connects by Bluetooth at an online server and then make fun of it. And it seems to be a success. It's definitely a winning segment. It, it brings out the grumpy. There's no question about it. He says, I'm working on my A plus certificate so I can join the ranks of dudes named Ben. I'll try to donate more in the future. I'm currently supporting my wife through school. So money is tight. All the extra income going towards saving for the certifications. I am getting ready to take the first test in a few weeks. Wish me luck. So, yes, give him some Bemrose coding tech luck and uh, and karma and, and whatever you do from your uh, from your perch I, there I, with your cat. I, I, I could I could try goat screaming into the microphone, but frankly, you don't want any of my coding luck or, or job luck because it, it's not working for me as well as it should. Otherwise, I'd still be at, uh, you know, uh, well, no, I, I wouldn't be at Microsoft. That place sucks. But yeah. So actually, once you get a job, Jake, if you could send Ryan some uh, job, karma, that would be appreciated. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely. Good luck on the test. He says, congratulations on getting past episode 100. I mean, you have no idea how hard that was, Jake. Getting through 100, yeah. 100 episodes. I mean, having to put up with Darren the entire time, it one, was rough. Well, no, you, you had Bemlet on one show. Actually, two shows. You had Bemlet. Uh, Actually, I have put up with you because every show that you're not in doesn't end up getting a number. <laughs> well, there could. I mean, they have to be a real show, though. So if the, you the shows the shows without me, you just are recording me like this is totally grumpy old Ben's and the ones where it's it's not you like, oh, this is a bonus episode. <laughs> that was a bonus. <laughs> At least it's not a boner episode. 
Well, some of them might be. Those are the ones we're selling. Depends Viagra. on who the guest is, I guess. Yeah, there's another. Uh, like, certainly not the ones with Bemlet. Yeah, there was, I was listening to a podcast the other day. Uh, I was uh, telling Steve, Dave, and the ad, the uh, the advertiser was Blue Chew. It's like you know more dick pills. You know, it's like come on, podcasts can do better than that. This is the value for value model works much better. Jake says, uh, "Here's to another hundred Bemrants." Um, See, no, Jake, you don't understand that per episode. Yeah, I was gonna say, there's there's more than one Bemrant per episode. It's, uh, you know, we're probably up to about a thousand Bemrants or more. Uh, by now. There, there's a number. And uh, he says, keep uh, it up. But uh, thank you, Jake. We appreciate it. And uh, thank you for your support of the grumpiest podcast in the universe. And also coming in today, another one from Harry Hamster, the most solid donor, the most solid expert. The most solid guy, almost every most, show. Most solid. Are you testing his viscosity now? Yes, we do. We have to test our experts' viscosity. We can, you know, hamster. You throw him in a blender. Will he blend? Of course. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give him some margarita mix, some ice, and and a ton of rum. He'll blend. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. No uh, nothing. No question about it. Harry's also. I mean, I there's a lot of times I like turn and look at the no agenda troll room. For the first time in a while. And a lot of times it's just Harry talking to himself. And that is also quite entertaining when you catch one of those shows. And uh, so that's why you have to check out. So, the so it's like Hog Story. Yeah, kind of. Yes, it's almost exactly like Hog Story. I like the Hog Stories where uh, the original Buford T from Tennessee calls in. That's uh, that's always a treat. That guy. It's getting so hard to tell the different Buford T's apart. Yeah, there are a few. I think Buford should do his own podcast. If you're out there, Buford, do your own podcast. I mean, you could really you could uh, siphon that heat off the hog story show and just launch that into uh, into the the stratosphere. And as I'm saying that, I'm kind of thinking to myself. How sad would it be if that happened and he had more listeners than grumpy old Benz? I mean, You, you know what I'm thinking to myself? Yeah. How crazy would it be if we came out of here in under two hours? It would be. It would be crazy. What's, what's the time? The current time? Oh, it's just about two hours. Are you saying you have nothing else for today? I'm saying you'll get nothing more from me. That is, uh, that's, that's not the first time. But if you would like to be an expert, grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. All of the information is there. We appreciate everybody for giving us their time to listen to these shows. And you can reach out to us, Darren or Ryan at grumpyoldbenz.com. With all that said, I am Darren O'Neill, coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where this episode will be just under two hours long, or my name's not Buford T. from Tennessee. Your name's not Buford T., but from America's left coast, where the people you want to see in yoga pants are not the people you see in yoga pants. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Damn it. Thank you.